I want to pray for, for mothers today. Um, and, and people in this room that are, um, today might be painful for you. Anybody out there? Today might be painful. I know this past year uh, we had a, a loss in our family, and you know many people had a loss in their families in regards to moms. And so today it's, um, it's a, it's, it's, there's two sides to it, right? There's a side that we're celebrating moms. That's a great thing. And future moms, and, and, and that's exciting. But then this could also be a hard day, you know, whether it be hard because uh, your mother's not around or your mother was never around, or maybe it's hard because you long to be a biological mom and you, and you couldn't. Maybe it's hard because your kids are disconnected from you. Um, I just want to pray for everyone here today uh, to make sure that Jesus is with you, that the presence of God is with you in the midst of this. And I believe that church family is called to mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who are rejoicing, all right? So let's pray together. Father, you know every heart in this room. And Lord, um, we do celebrate mothers today. We celebrate how precious they are and how valuable they are in our lives, Lord. And they're, um, they're amazing. They're amazing, Lord. Um, but, but Lord, there are some people that are, that are hurting, that are grieving. Um, and right now, Holy Spirit, if you can, I pray that you just embrace them with your love. Embrace them with your presence, God. Let them know that not only that you're there, but we're there standing in the gap for them. Lord, I pray for healing to happen today. I pray that you meet them where they are. And I pray, Lord, that you give them hope, that you give them joy, and most of all, that you give them love today. Uh, we stand with them in the gap, and we're believing that the church family is going to rally together around them so that they could know uh, that you are for them and not against them. We love you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. This day is yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. You may be seated as you being seated. Compliment a mom around you. Say, you look good today, girl. Not G-I-R-L, but G-U-R-L. Girl. And I'll allow, even if you're throwing a little slap in, snap in there. Mm. A little snap. We'll take that. Is my mom in here? Where's she at? There she is. I just want to give a big shout out to my mom. She's... Uh, Amazing. Oh, standing O. You're a standing O. She hated that so much inside. She hates it. <laughs> I could tell. I could feel. You know, like when you can feel mom's hatred? She's in the back row, and I felt it up here. Crazy. But that lady, she taught me, she t listen, if she ever catches you alone in the kitchen, you're going to instantly, emotionally be on the couch and she's going to counsel your soul. She taught me that. Um, and she also taught me to, like, always have a full house. She always has people at, at our house and she's always ready to feed them. So that's exactly why I look like this. So thanks, Mom. And uh, her name is Dee Dee. But do not call her Dolores. That's her, that's her government name. I can feel the hate now again. The, the word, this is why she hates her name. <laughs> she hates her name because her name is Dolores. In Spanish, the word Dolores means pain. Ain't that a trip? So we don't call her Dolores, we call her Didi. That sounds a lot more endearing. Didi, that pain, you know. 
And uh, today, because it's Mother's Day and in honor of my mom, her name being Dolores, I want to talk about pain. Isn't that encouraging? And more, <laughs> and more importantly, I want to talk about birth pains, which is crazy because I know that's a concept and a topic I shouldn't be talking about because right now all the ladies in the room are like, you don't know nothing about no birth pains. Right? So I'm leaning on you ladies to help me out with this because I don't, I don't, I don't know anything about birth pains. My oldest son, he was almost 10 pounds when he was born. Right? I didn't feel any of that. I was fine. Right? I don't even know how heavy was I when I was born, mom. Do you remember? How heavy? 7-Eleven. Come on, that was prophetic. 7-Eleven. <laughs> I don't know about birth pains. I know about pain, though. I do know about pain. I've, I've had some pain in my life, physical, hard pain. I've, some of you heard the story. I dislocated my shoulder in college. We were raising money for a building project at, at a previous church that I worked at, and we were cutting off these copper wires. I think, actually, Bart, you were there cutting off these copper wires, and someone bumped me, and, I, and the... the, the the, the blade went right through my thumb, cut off my thumb. Practically, there's only like a little bit of a centimeter that was left on it. Literally, I, I don't know why, I threw the thumb in my mouth and ran to the hospital. <laughs> don't know why that was my instinct, but that's what happened, right? Now I just made y'all sick. I offended my mother. I made you sick. Starting off really good today. And, 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 and so I, I remember I broke my wrist wrestling with a bunch of kids in high school. I, uh, I got into, where's my dad at? Is, is Eddie here? Where's Eddie? He's the he's, he's security today. We were riding a motorcycle. My mother remembers this. We were riding a motorcycle, and I was in the back, and he had a little bit of malfunction, and we got into an accident. And when we hit this car, he flew over the handlebars, and I was supposed to fly over the handlebars as well until the lever, the brake lever, went inside my leg. And that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough. So... I, all I felt was that pain. So I could literally I looked down and I saw my thigh bone, okay? But that wasn't enough. The muffler, I didn't realize that the muffler burned my calf muscle. Pain, pain. Where am I getting to? Where am I getting to? Number one, your pastor's a hot mess, all right? Let's get that out the way. Number two, even with all those pains and you just went through my medical history, I still don't know how bad birth pains are. And I don't think any man in this room can have the audacity to speak into that. There was one man that spoke into it, and his name was Jesus. And he's allowed. Men were not allowed, right? So you saw what I did there, Rob. I, I made fun of my mother on Mother's Day. I told the church I was a hot mess, and I transitioned right into the words of Jesus. That's a good sermon, all right? So, John chapter 16, this is what Jesus said about childbirth. He says, a little while, he's talking to his disciples, he says, you will see me no longer. This is right before he's about to get crucified. And again, a little while, you will see me. So he's setting it up. He's trying to break it down for them. He's trying to help them understand that basically this. You're going to go through a turbulent time. And you're going to feel for a moment, everybody say for a moment. For a moment, you're going to feel abandoned. But I promise you, I'll be right back. So some of his disciples said to one another, 
What is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me. And again, a little while you will see me. And, and because I am going to the Father. So, so they were saying, what does this mean by a little while? Give me some details. Give me some clarity, Jesus. I don't like this. Why do you, who, we do not know what he is talking about. And Jesus knew that they were, they were gossiping. Basically, that's what they were doing. Jesus knew that they wanted to ask him, so he said to them, is this what you are asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me. And then he, he breaks it down with this. He goes, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. So it's going to feel like you're losing and the rest of the world is winning. Has anyone ever felt that way? All right. But then he says this, I love this, highlight this. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. And then he goes into this analogy. He goes, when a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for the joy that a human being has been born into this world. So also you have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice. And watch this. And no one will take your joy. And no one will take your joy. He's promising them this. that You're going to go through some stuff. But if you come out the other side, no one's going to be able to take away your joy. In that day, you will ask, no, ask nothing of me because you'll understand. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask in my Father's name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So contextually speaking, what is he doing? He's setting them up. He's giving them this, this big locker room speech. Hey, we're going to go through this. You're going to hit it this real tough halftime season. It's going to look like we lost, but I promise you, I promise you, if you hold on tight, I promise you, if you go through these birth pains, you're going to get to the place where you'll be holding joy in your hands, and no one will be able to take it away from you. And so in, in, in our celebration of mothers, I, I want to talk about the fact that pain is a part of life. And you're going to experience pain. But Jesus promised us right here with this analogy, with this metaphor, that, that in the preparation or whatever you're birthing in the next chapter of your life, there's some people here that God's writing another chapter in your life. Maybe you experience loss today. God's writing another chapter of your life. Maybe right now like you're like us and you're watching your kids grow up and they're entering their chapter and it's going to be a new chapter for you and a new chapter for them. Maybe God's calling you to start a business. Maybe God's calling you to move away. Whatever it might be, God's authoring a next chapter. And that next chapter is not going to be devoid of birth pains. It's not. But my promise to you is this. Ready? Everybody write this down. Pain is temporary. Pain is temporary. Maturity is forever. So, in other words, don't allow yourself to just go through something. We need to grow through something. Don't waste the pain. Pain is temporary. It's not forever, but your maturity can be forever. And in faith, if we're going to learn from moms today... There's some good pains. It don't feel good in the moment. 
But there's some good pains that we go through. And good pains, the right pains, will sometimes provide the right type of blessings. We want blessings. But the right pains can create the right blessings. So what does that mean? We can't live our entire lives avoiding pain constantly. Because if we avoid pains, then we also might avoid some blessings. This is not a good Mother's Day sermon, Mike. But this is a good sermon nonetheless. We're, we're called, listen, some of you, if you're bored in your life, especially bored in your spiritual walk, we're called to live adventure, right? And adventure is what? It's ups and downs, right? In other words, what is adventure? Adventure is when you go from pain to victory, right? And many of us, what we try to do is we try to do everything we can to avoid pain. Watch this. If you avoid pain, then you avoid the adventure. If you avoid the adventure, your life gets real boring real quick. Right? Real boring real quick. And then many of us, in the ride of life, we're stuck on a merry-go-round when we really want a roller coaster. Right? Parents know what I'm talking about. I hated when my son wanted to go on the merry-go-round. I hate it. It's not fun. It's up and down. Circle, look, there's mom again. Look, there's mom again. Look, there's mom again. It's the worst ride ever. Ever. A roller coaster, I couldn't wait till my boys were big enough and tall enough to go on a roller coaster. Way more adventurous, right? Like, I want to be, be nauseous at the end of the ride. Come on. But not no merry-go-round. It's boring. And then I think the same thing in our lives. When we avoid that pain, we avoid the victories, we avoid the blessings, we avoid the best versions of ourselves. Because let's be honest, some of us, we don't grow outside of conflict. Your comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing grows there. So right now, ask yourself the question, what is this new chapter that God is birthing in your life? I believe in wholeheartedly that many of us are entering a new chapter. Even if you're a part of Fervent Church, we're entering into a new chapter. God's doing something different in the lives of our church. Sewell, Sewell, we're right now two locations, but we're together as one. He's writing a new chapter. When we go back into that building in Sewell, it's not going to be the same Sewell. Fervent Voorhees, it's not going to be the same Fervent Voorhees. We're going into a new chapter, a new chapter where we're truly going to value community. A new chapter where I'm believing that you're going to grow so much spiritually that you're going to prophesy over one another. You're going to pray for one another. We're going to see healings, not on Sundays. We're going to see healings in collectives. We're going to see the power of God move through our worship team. We're going to see people added that you never thought would be in church. We're entering into a new season, but don't get it twisted. It's going to come with some birth pains. It's not going to be easy, but it is going to be an adventure. It is going to be an adventure. So what is God birthing in your life? And don't think one second that he believes in epidurals. No shade if you took one. No shade if you got it. 
I had back problems, another, another, <laughs> another pain. I had back problems a few years ago. When I got on epidural, oh my gosh, that thing felt amazing. So no shade from me <laughs> if you got a shot in your spine when you were giving birth. No shade at all. However, however, pain is inevitable. Pain is inevitable, but growth is optional. We must choose growth. And today I want to talk about very quickly, so you can get back to your pastries and your pictures. I want to talk about the, the, I believe, the pains that we're going to encounter when birthing this next chapter in your life. These are the pains you're going to encounter. And you're not going to like this first one. But all of us deal with this from one degree or another. And we're going, we're going, we're going to learn something today including myself. And the first one I want to hit you with is the pain of petty. Petty. You know who you are. And it's all of us. It's all of us. Some, some things just, we just get caught up in the pettiness. And I want to just challenge us that whatever that next chapter that God is writing in your life, it's a big chapter. And are you really going to allow the smallness of pettiness to rob you of the story that God is writing in your life? Pettiness is a distraction. Let me give you some examples. Some of you are looking at me like, I'm not petty. Yes, you are. We allow the petty things, those little things, to rob us of our joy, to rob us of our peace, to, to rob us of our unity. I didn't like the way she said thank you. Petty, right? I can't, be I can't believe pastor said sucked from the stage. How crude. Can't believe it. Oh, I, I, I don't, I, do you, can you believe she forgot to text me? I'm not going back to that collective. Little petty things just continue to accumulate. And I believe wholeheartedly that and petty, the pain of pettiness isn't even that big. So if you can't handle the petty pain, what makes you think you're going to handle the pain that actually produces the promises in your life? And this is why I wanted to start here because that's just little ouches, little pinches, right? Pastor didn't say hi to me today. Just little petty things. And it eats away at your marriage. It eats away at the relationship with your kids. It eats away at the relationship with your coworkers. Am I talking to anybody? It's petty. And listen to me. Write this down. Pettiness is a symptom of an unhealthy identity. Because if the little things rob you of who you are, then the issue isn't what they said or what they did. The issue is your identity. Because pettiness is a symptom of an unhealthy identity. And we all get caught up in that, don't we? Just catches us in a bad day. And it robs us of our sight. We don't even see that God's moving because of what so-and-so did or said. Pettiness can be a huge distraction. Pettiness distracts us of our responsibilities. 
I know at times when I'm, when I'm just bringing some challenge or correction, and when you're a petty person, which, what it does is it allows you to reject responsibility. Right? What that person, if that person comes to you with love and challenge, they could be right. But because you can hold on to that little bit of pettiness, you'd be like, yeah, but you do X, Y, Z. And you reject that correction. And again, when you reject that correction, you reject the best version of yourself. Petty. Petty, petty, petty. So Tom Petty up in here. Some of you would say, who's Tom Petty? <laughs> No, I ain't singing. I am not singing. Not no Tom Petty either. That's out of my range. Maybe Barry White. I'll sing to Barry White, but not no Tom Petty. You know what pettiness does? Pettiness exercises unforgiveness in your life. Isn't it? Because you go, oh, that person, I didn't like the way that person said this. I don't like the way that person did that. And what it does, it just activates unforgiveness. And that unforgiveness then justifies your attitude to continue living in your smallness. And what we have to do, we have to, if we're going to be people of faith, we have to be able to handle even those small pains because it robs you of your joy. It robs you of seeing what God is doing around you. And we're supposed to be people of grace. So, so when we get better at this, she's... We, grace assumes the best in people. Oh, he didn't say hi to me because right now he's probably, he's probably fixated on, on 50,000 things. I know he loves me. You see that? See the difference? But instead, then you walk up in here with your hands folded and you're like, I ain't worshiping because pastor didn't say hi to me. And we allow pettiness to rob us. So let's grow in the area of the pain of petty. The other thing, the other pain I want to talk about today is the, the pain of patience. The pain of patience. I think this is probably my Achilles heel. I'm just going to call it what it is. Every sermon I'm going to tell on myself. I am probably the worst person in this room in regards to patience. Because God has a funny sense of humor and he gives me these dreams and visions and it takes forever to get to them. Like forever, like forever, ever to get to those things. And I have to hold on to it. But many of us, we quit. We quit because of our lack of patience and our, and our lack to just stick to it. And especially when we're going through the ups and downs and the adventurous roller coasters of our lives. And that's when you start... This is what you start doing. You start logically justifying your impatience. I'm preaching to myself. This is not about you. You're so vain, you think this sermon's about you. It's about me right now. I start justifying it, you know. Here's what we do. Well, maybe I'm not called anymore to this area. Or maybe, maybe, maybe I married the wrong person. Or maybe, maybe I, I didn't hear God right when he told me to go work over here. And we start logically justifying our impatience because we're not willing to go through the pain of patience. And we go through stuff. I love the story of Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph, 
don't know if you know the story in Genesis. God gave this young man, Joseph, a dream. And after he gave him the dream, he, he had the audacity to tell his family about the dream. And the, and the dream consisted of that his actual brothers, his older brothers, would, would bow down and serve him. And so they didn't like that very much. And so they beat him down and they, and they threw him in a pit. And then he went from the pit to slavery. And then he went from slavery. And then he had a good moment where he was promoted. So he went from a pit to promotion. And then he got accused of rape. That's the Bible. He got accused of rape. And then he went to prison. So he went from the pit to promotion to prison. And then out of prison, then he went to the palace. You're not preaching unless you're using alliteration. But notice that. Notice that. God gave him a dream. God gave him a promise. And he went from the promise to the pit, to promotion, to prison, to the palace. You know how long that took? 22 years. 22 years. From the time he got the dream to the time that dream was fulfilled. 22 years. And I don't think anything in the Bible is there by accident. The number 22 in Hebrew culture is symbolic for complete knowledge because there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Complete knowledge. Some of us, because we're not patient, we're not willing to go through the pits and the prisons in order to get to complete knowledge. And we're not willing to do the pain of patience. I know it's hard. But I guarantee you that if we could just increase our pain threshold. You know when you're at the doctor and they tell you how, how, how bad does it hurt from a scale of 1 to 10? And these newer doctors, they have the faces, you know. It goes from like Rob to Mike Rosado. You know, they see Rob smiling and then me, my frown face. <laughs> That's the scale. I'm going to ask you that. From a scale of Rob to Mike, how, how much does it hurt? Well, I'm at a straight up Mike today. <laughs> <laughs> but to increase our pain threshold in this area of patience, I'm telling you, is going to be the key to unlock the journey that God has you on. An another pain that we kind of go through, and I think this is like patience cousin, is perseverance. That's all right. You can clap, girl. Go ahead. It's the pain, it's the pain of persistence and perseverance. We've convinced ourselves Follow me for a second, and I'm going to wrap this up. We convinced ourselves that God's will is equal to a pain-free existence. Maybe it's just me, but again, we start logically going, okay, like, this is too hard. And if it's too hard, then it can't be God. Right? If it's too hard, if the difficulty level... Is at a 10. That, that, that means I missed it. It's not God. And what we do is when we run into difficulties. Now, listen to me. I want to talk to those. Where are the seniors at in the room? Seniors. No, not seniors as in age. I mean, seniors in high school. Some of you are like, he wants me to raise my hand. I got arthritis. Whatever. I'll do it. <laughs> You're going to college, and I know it's going to be great. And I used to be an RA in college, and so I used to run into the, the students that got homesick. 
And as I talked to these students, I would realize that not only that they're homesick, they just started now, like the honeymoon period of going to college is over, and now they're, they're, they're struggling. They, they struggle to handle the transition between that, that high school lifestyle and now the college lifestyle, right? And, and they, when they get to the place of difficulty, rather than meeting difficulty with determination, they meet difficulty with doubt. And so as an RA, my job was to help to coach them to what would it look like? This is difficult. I'm not going to deny the fact that this is difficult. But what would it look like? Rather than facing it with doubt, what would it look like if you faced it with determination? Because again, that's what we all think. If it's God's will, then there shouldn't be any pain. But we serve this Savior, this Jesus, that the whole point that brought us to a place of salvation was through the avenue of pain. So to sit there and say God's will is devoid of pain neglects the story of Jesus. Because he endured all the pain. So, so that's what we do. And we think, and we think that obedience should not come with opposition. Right? If I'm, I'm being obedient, God, so why is it, why is it this difficult? Why, why are all these people coming at me? Well, this not, might not be you. What? Just be obedient. In fact, I, in my life, I'm learning 23 years of ministry. The more obedient I get, the more opposition I get. Come on. That's the truth. But we think, for some, I don't know where we learned it from. I don't know where I learned it from. But I, I, it's always, I hit some difficulty, mm, some doubt. But what happens if we responded with determination? And then, and then sometimes in my life, I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, okay, I step out in obedience. God called me to start fervent church. Okay, fine. I'm stepping out from all my comforts. I'm stepping out. I'm sacrificial. I'm doing all this stuff. And then there's moments where I'm like start talking to God like, hey, can we change what obedience looks like? Right? Can we, can we like, maybe I'm going to be obedient this way. Are you good with that? Listen to me, people who believe in God. If you don't believe in God, you're off the hook. But if you do believe in God, think about this. Creator of the universe, where do we get the audacity to tell him what obedience looks like? Right? If I tell my kids, go throw out the trash, I'm going to do it tomorrow morning. If I remember. No, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't ask you all that. Oh, you... You misunderstood the assignment. You misunderstood the environment. You misunderstood the structure of this household. I pay the bills, right? My name's on this lease, right? My name's on your birth certificate. You don't want my name to be on your death certificate. So why don't you go and throw out the trash right now and don't tell me what obedience looks like. I'm preaching. The pain of perseverance, the pain of persistence. And I'm going to go here real quick because I think it's important because I think it, it speaks to a lot of people. Some of us, especially moms, you feel like you were called to be a mom. I actually feel like in my spirit that people that aren't even physically here, but they're going to watch the sermon later. This is for you too. You were called to be a mom. And I believe that's true. And you need to be obedient to that calling. 
but maybe for some strange reason, you weren't able to have your own biological children. And we go, we disappointed because you said, okay, God, you called me to be a mom. And then what we want to do is we want to tell God what obedience looks like. But yet, maybe he still called you to be a mom, but it's not going to be the way you thought it was going to be. And, I, I, and I, yeah, Susan preached a few weeks ago. She told you, she told you that I, she's a powerful mom. It didn't end up the way she did. But there's liberty and freedom and power to know that God's not reneging on who he called you to be. And we can't determine what obedience looks like. So we go through the pain of per persistence and perseverance so that we can see the promises of God fulfilled. And it might not be according to my agenda or plan, but it will be according to his. And now, if you lean into that, you will find a joy that no one will take away from you. I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt. It, it's going to pain you to not be able to, to, to see it the way you wanted to see it. I get it, and I mourn with you, but I'm telling you too, on the other side, there's hope. And, I, and I'm not telling you that you missed the mark. You didn't miss the boat on this. Yes, God called you to be a mom. It might just look differently. Because there's a lot of spiritually, there's a lot of spiritual orphans in our society that need you to fulfill your calling. Last one. This is going to be my favorite one. You ready? The pain of people. Let's pray. No, I'm kidding. You want to know why this is important? Because I wish somebody told me this earlier in ministry. Um, I wish somebody told me, and this is the, the sucky part of the Christian life sometimes. We're not called to be doormats. Can I just say that? Throw out that disclaimer. Thank you. We're not called to be doormats. However, there'll be moments in your life when you live out your Christian values and you're serving Jesus and you're being obedient to what he's called you to do, you'll get to these places in your life where you'll go, do I always have to be the bigger person? <laughs> that was my wife, in case y'all didn't. <laughs> do I always have to be the biggest person? Do I always have to take it in the chin like that? The pain of people is harsh, man. Like, and the decades I've had, I've had people with tears in their eyes tell me they love me. And then months later, stab me in the back. It's tough. It's tough. But in this, whatever chapter God has birthed in your life, just recognize this, that you're going to go through the pain of people. And you're going to have to learn how to function with a broken heart. Moms, can I get an Amen. And I know that doesn't sound real like motivational and exciting. But here's what I've found. It's worth it. It's worth it to see there's, you know, some pains that I've had where, yes, people have betrayed you and backstabbed you and said some lies about you. But there are also the people that will take the love that you give them and run with it and grow with it. And you got to remind yourself that it's worth the pain. And I have to remind myself that even if I was perfect 
Jesus was perfect and he still had turnover. Jesus was perfect and he still had people play him out, betray him, lie about him, doubt him. You go through the list. So sometimes too, like I take it personal, like what is it about me, God, that people keep doing this to me? Shut up, Mike. It's not about you, it's people. You hurt people and people are gonna hurt you. It's the world we live in. But it can still be beautiful. Because watch this, if you could, if you could love people through your pain, Think about this, if you can love people, listen, the ultimate goal in life, I'm sorry to say this, it's not success. The ultimate goal in life is not success, it's not achievements, it's nothing to do with that. The ultimate, because I've, I've, again, I've watched really successful people still be depressed and devoid of purpose. I, I, I watch people just kill it in certain areas of their life and still feel lonely and empty. The ultimate purpose in life is worship. And why do we worship? We worship. We worship because he loved us. Jesus summarized it this way. This is our job, to love God and love people. To love God and love people. And how do we love people? The only way we can love, the Bible says that we love because he loved us first. That's it. And how does he love us? He loves us when we're stubborn. He loves us when we mess up. He loves us when we hurt him. So to not go through the pain of people, we miss out on our worship. And here's the beautiful part of our worship. You worship, what you worship, you become like. We're all called to become more and more like Jesus. That, the American church needs us to find success that way. What is success? It's not how many people how many butts are in the pews? It's not how many dope sermons you preach. It's not how many worship songs you produce. What is success? Success is being more and more like Jesus. More and more like Jesus. That is success.